0: give and take. Kingsland with two N's is Kingsland Music on Instagram, kingslandmusic.com, and can be found everywhere from iTunes to SoundCloud to Spotify.
1: Many will come to order. There is a quorum present. We are beginning these hearings today in an atmosphere of utmost gravity. If the many allegations made to this day are true are in effect making it the home of every citizen of the United States, but something much more valuable, their most precious heritage, the right to vote in a free election.
2: Mr. Chairman, there are 21 ayes and 16 nos. And Article 1 is agreed to. The committee will now consider Article 2. Mr. Morrison uh, told us both in his deposition at his public hearing that you had related concerns about uh, Colonel Vindman's judgment.
3: Uh yes yes uh, something comes to mind but uh, gravity well you said you spoke about gravity it's just you, you fall down and then you become a pancake on the pavement depending on how high the tower is and then you you land and then you you're a pancake yeah gravity um. seriously
4: do you believe what is alleged that you said on this phone call? that the president cares primarily about stuff, the big stuff that benefits the president.
3: Yeah, the big stuff. I mean, he's interested in the big stuff. We gave him a big helium balloon, a big balloon, and uh, the balloon went poof, and and, and the big stuff went all, it was all gone. Um. But uh, the president does care about the big stuff, especially big helium balloons. They float up and they go into the atmosphere. And he, he, he can just stare at that like a child. He's really unbelievable. He's so compassionate and, and sensitive, and this balloon going up like that, and uh, you know, it's got his name on it. He prefers his name on the big stuff, on the big balloon, Trump, you know, and then he's like a child, really, but he's such a beautiful child.
2: The American people are asking if the facts are the same, why do the crimes that the president is being accused of keep changing. Why do we go from quid pro quo to extortion, now to bribery?
3: Uh, There is a a system in it. You have to top the previous crime because, you know, otherwise, well, then, oh, oh, we got to run. And so, man, well, it's all good politics. You got to drop a few imbeciles really imbeciled, we we dropped. We're just sitting here, talking about him. He's famous.
5: You texted Ambassador Volker, and we could bring up the next text exchange, at 7.54 a.m., and you said, call ASAP.
3: Yeah, this involved the Silver Elves. They uh, stood at a tree, and there was a branch, and it was wounded and there was, you know, this stuff leaking from the tree and the blood of the tree and they put a band-aid on it, but uh, we contact immediately someone who could, you know, bring in the army.
4: Do you believe that the president doesn't give a fig about Ukraine?
3: Well, the prostitutes, the prostitutes. He cares. That's what he wants. You ain't got him, he got you. You yeah, think about it.
6: Five minutes past 12 midnight.
1: Uh, getting up towards six o'clock. This is KSAN, Stereo 95 in San Francisco and Oakland. I'll see you tomorrow between noon and 6 p.m. And from 6 until midnight, it's Tom Donahue. To to and this is Tom Donahue and I'm here to play phonograph records. Hollywood since 1923.
7: This structure amazed the world with its steel frame construction
1: and asymmetrical plan. Typography and graphic design
6: make commanding statements. Bright, bold, simple, and devoid of every kind of decoration. Even serifs were banned. From Sacramento, the heart of California,
8: and around the world. Genuine, modern radio. Radio Flaw.
9: One wow.
1: highways is one of America's greatest problems a little pounding loosens any cement or sand that sticks in the truck water trucks haul in the water to make concrete as the program continues however engineers and contractors strive for new and better ways of building highways dollars of federal aid highway work in active construction status generates on-site employment for approximately 48,000 men with a weekly payroll of about four million six hundred fifty thousand dollars the mixer man watches everything going on around the paving machine the mixer spins round and round until all of the water, sand, rock, and cement are mixed into concrete. This big bucket carries the mixture along to the right place and dumps it. This machine cuts grooves across the pavement. It is leveled down until it is just right.
4: There you go. Uh, your cement is even. Completely even cement. Oh,
10: thank
4: you. uh ah, so I don't, don't touch it. Don't, yeah. don't touch it. Don't touch it. It feels
9: so wonderful.
4: Yeah, but no, you're touching it. You're making it uneven. Get off, yeah. get off, get off, get off. Yeah, get off, wait, get off, wait. Get off, wait get off. No, get, my, get, get, I, get,
0: get, 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 Oh,
4: oh. Okay. So it's even again. Okay, just don't, don't walk on it. Don't walk a people on it. Don't let anybody touch it. It'll stay even forever.
9: Walk a people?
4: Yeah, don't let people walk on it.
0: Do you think I'm going to walk my child
4: across the cement? I don't want people walking on it. Okay? Yes, I am. Don't. I'm putting Good. up little barriers.
0: She's Still taking a little her walk. first step. No! <laughs> Fucking stop it! Straight from London, brand new, baby teeth and look like death. For Baby Teeth in the I Saw It First Look competition. And if you're not in the UK, like, figure out how to vote anyways. (laughs) We know you know how to do stuff like this. Voting started yesterday. For updates, follow at Baby Teeth Music on Instagram.
11: Listen to Mother Nature. This is Radio Mom
5: price of being vegan it's it's very interesting because um meat used to be more expensive than plants if you just watch a history of walmart and how they get people to lower prices mass production on huge scales will lower prices and uh i buy a box of spinach every every week and i munch on it instead of potato chips and I feel a hell of a lot better, it fills me up. I've noticed the prices have been going way up on vegetables.
12: I think, you know, regardless if, um, like, animal flesh and secretions are more expensive or more cheap than anything else, I just think that it's irrelevant. And I think that um, us basing our convenience of, like, paying a price higher or lower or whatever it is like that doesn't justify what we're doing to animals it's just that we live in such a world that a world that's so speciesist to where we think that we are so special like we think that we are so much higher than other you know sentient beings and other life forms on this planet to where we feel the need to justify our actions and i think what's really important is knowing the why comes from putting yourself in the victim's perspective like i would challenge them to say you know how would you like it if somebody decided that you are commodity and that's the only reason why you're on this earth so that i can exploit you so that i can get what i want to take from you
5: Last episode, we started discussing uh, the world of being a, a, a herbivore, and uh, I wanted to have you on because you don't pull any punches.
13: <laughs> yeah.
6: Let's escape from our daily Steve Mayella talks to animal liberation activist Rain, best known on Instagram as Wolfheart. W O L dot F.
5: I think the term is making sausages. It was always applied to how governments did things. You don't want to see how the sausages are made, but not only are sausages made in such a horrible way today, uh, it's gotten a lot worse. What are some of the things that you've seen that people would be shocked to discover from the meat industry?
12: Well, I think what is important to remember is... You know, these foods are not actually food. (laughs) You know, I don't see them as food at all. I see them as a dismembered body. I see them as a tortured, innocent, sentient being that was cut up into a million pieces so that, you know, we could feast on their body unnecessarily. And I think that just language is really important because, you know, I've never, um, experienced like real genuine conversation without really like digging deep and being like like just saying what words actually are Mm -hmm. like you know I like I don't say I don't say meat I don't say um like eggs I don't say dairy I say animals dead bodies or I'll say um flesh or or baby cows growth fluid, yeah. or breast milk, or, or, you know, a chicken's period. Um, because that's what the words are. And when we use like words like meat, dairy, eggs, like things that it just waters down, like what actually the words are. Um, and so I'm not that educated on, you know, what it's the processing of these foods are, are like a 100%. But I do know that There's nothing that's clean or, you know, healthy. It
5: has been sanitized for us. (laughs) Right. I remember when I was younger, my grandparents came from a small town. There was a butcher they'd go to to get the food. And Mm -hmm. of course there's pictures of pigs on the sign and everything. You don't really make that connection. And then you have the fun words like beef, which means cow, Uh, poultry, uh, chicken, and bird-based food. They're birds. Yeah, right. Like looking at an ad for a newspaper, you get pictures of flesh sitting there. Yeah. And we're immune to it.
12: Right, We're so cultured and conditioned to see these neatly wrapped packages and these you know, these clean um, looking articles of, of what our society says is food. And yeah. so naturally, of course there's going to be a disconnect. If every single package in the supermarket actually had a photo of the animal getting their, stabbed in the throat for that product, people would not, I mean, people, less people would buy that. We're not naturally, we don't have carnivorous tendencies. We don't, okay. our mouth doesn't water when we see animals being slaughtered. We get grossed out. We, we get sick. We don't feel like we are hungry anymore if we see that. So, you know, I think it's interesting how our, our society has a way of, you know, just like they're doing it on purpose they're trying to make us disconnected on purpose it's not like yeah. it, it, it's not like you know they would put warning labels like they would on on cigarettes because they want to they want to make profit they want to they want everyone to view animals as commodities. that's that's why yeah. that's what the goal is for them.
5: From what I'm saying, they're they're so powerful that's the main reason we haven't had things like the impossible burger on the market. Mm-hmm. And they're fighting back. It was like right after this whole thing hit suddenly you see an article about, well, it's not healthier for you. That was that was the meat industry planning that. Yeah. They planted that in... Uh, I see it on several blogs. I see it popping up. And it's like, that's a PR push from them.
12: You know, people like to find evidence to back up their own bad habits. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Because people will find... Literally, like any article, it doesn't matter if it's peer-reviewed, it doesn't matter if it's backed up scientifically, it doesn't matter if people have, you know, disproven it, they're going to believe it because they believe the story that helps them continue their bad habit and continue living in blindness. And they don't want to change So, and you know, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. I did that, you know, for 23 years of my life. I didn't even want to, to face up to, okay. If I'm buying a product like this, there's a victim involved. And you know, I didn't see just like most people don't understand or see that there is an actual living sentient being that had to be stabbed in the throat for that product. So, yeah, that's there's definitely a disconnect.
5: We're in a world now where empathy is not really happening as much as it could. Mm-hmm. example I saw years ago, uh, James Baldwin said this about Martin Luther King and how he was just trying to get other humans to be nice to other humans. Yeah. And he said Martin Luther King approached it by saying basically – look at what's happening to people with different skin color. Look at how they're being treated. And the whole goal was to get the white audience to go, oh, my God, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. But James Baldwin said the problem was no one cared. And how do you get people who don't know what empathy is, which I think is something that really has to be learned today to really care about this?
12: You know, I think that everybody does have empathy, I think that people just are a lot more disconnected than other people. And, you know, I think that everyone, everyone knows that animal, or at least everybody acknowledges that it's wrong to kill animals or like it's wrong to hurt animals. But what they don't realize is that their actions are not aligning with, you know, the empathy that they are actually feeling for animals. So it's not that they don't have empathy. I don't think they they lack empathy. It's just that they're disconnected from it because they've been told these stories all of their lives that just don't align with with their with their empathy. Because you know, when we're kids, animals are, you know, our best friends we want to, we want to see, we see animals and we light up. We get so, I remember when I was a kid, like I, my mom would read me this, this book called Bunny Fufu. And like, I loved these bunnies. There's this book called Tepsu. It was about a squirrel. And I, I just wanted to read it over and over again. I wanted to see the pictures of the squirrels. You know, our whole world is surrounded with these smiley, happy animals. And we get so, um, you know, they animals hold such a special place in our heart when we're little kids. And, and I think that when we're born, we have this empathy and this, you know, connection with animals. But then as we get older and older, that 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 view that we have of animals starts to skew because we're told these lies over and over and over again that that teach us to justify you know hurting animals like I remember when I was a little kid and I, I was just talking about this with my partner earlier I was um in June Lake with my dad and my sister and my mom and my dad rented a fishing boat for, for the day. And the whole day we were trying to catch these fish. And I, in the back of my mind, I was super, super happy that we were not catching fish. Like I was super, like I said to him, like, oh, like I was like I was acting like I was sad, but I didn't want to catch these fish. I didn't want to hurt these fish. And then I, you know, the day went by a started going down and we had already turned in the boat but my dad was like hey like let's stand here for a little longer and try some more to catch catch some fish and my sister had the the fishing pole she was really little she was i think she was probably like six or seven um and sure enough this fish bit her hook and we pulled this fish in and I could see this fish flailing around and suffocating and clearly suffering. Like there was a hook through his little lips and he had, you know, blood on his skin from, from the hook being in his mouth. And he was flailing around and suffocating. And my dad was celebrating and rejoicing like, as this fish was suffering and, and you know, s- like, s- literally suffocating to death. And my dad was happy and, and you know, excited that we had caught this fish. Like, it was a big victory. And then I remember he put this fish in a bucket with no water. Just, just plopped him right in a bucket. And we drove back to, it was, like, kind of like a cabin motel type thing and when we got there the fish was still alive still still you know clinging on to life still wanting to live and fighting for his life and i didn't have that fish i didn't i watched my dad cut that fish apart and and i did i did not partake in in and eating that fish and you know all of us i think have some sort of level level of that you know empathy where we don't want to harm anybody but just like my dad was rejoicing for for you know killing someone and and killing this this being that wanted to live it's not that he was a bad person it's just that before he was taught to do that and he was taught to be disconnected to you know his emotions for, for these living sentient beings. My biggest thing really is like, you know, I get a lot of like younger women messaging me saying that they feel powerless. Like they feel like they can't, they want to be vegan, but like their parents won't let them or, you know, they want to be vegan, but You know, they, like, don't feel like they have enough Mm -hmm. resources or money to do that. And I want to let them know that they're not alone. And if they, like, can be vegan literally as much as possible, and, like, if they're the why, like, is so, is, like, the most powerful to them, like, they can make that happen. Like, they can do that. It's just that I feel like there's a lot of times where people feel so, like, powerless because they, again, like, have been, been, like, you know, told these lies over and over again, and, and they feel like they don't have a voice. It's, like, your voice does matter, and you do have a voice. It doesn't matter who you are. Like, you have a voice, and there's nothing that can get in the way of your vision, if you don't let it. So that's like, one of the big things.
5: I might as well ask this, because I've gotten some interesting reactions to it. What do you think about the whole uh, fake burger thing hitting fast food? Because fast food is like the diet of so many Americans.
12: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think that it's really important for every person, like everywhere, because you know, there's people that live in food deserts, and you know, the only thing that they have to eat is fast food. So when they're making vegan options available in the, in places where you know people with super busy lives or su- people that can't can't necessarily afford to go out and um, like find. Super Whole Foods at grocery stores all the time, a hundred percent of the time. Um, I think um, that's a really great option for them um, is to go because I know I'm I'm on the go a lot of the times and and sometimes I just need to go through the drive-through at Del Taco and gonna be on burrito like you know, and it's not it's not um, it's it's something that's really I think helping with the convenience level of being vegan for sure.
5: Did you get involved in this? What what brought you into all of this?
12: I went vegan because of my sister, my, my younger sister, she actually had an eating disorder and she recovered from her eating disorder completely plant-based. Like the majority of her healing, she was working with a nutritionist after she was in a treatment center and when she was an outpatient, she recovered from her Severe eating disorder, completely vegan. I, I was like, okay, well, I kind of need to do some research here because this is this is crazy. I watched Forks Over Knives, which is about health, and then shortly after that, I watched Earthlings, and that was the one that uh, it just pushed me. I was like, I just I have to be vegan. Vegan. There's absolutely no, mm-hmm. you know, there's no other way to <laughs> to save animals and not be a part of this.
5: Back in the late 1940s, end of World War II, I had an older father and my dad checked into a hospital in Baltimore and they diagnosed him with leukemia. And they pretty much told him he was dying. Wow. And so they discharged him and said, you're not gonna live. And he's walking out of the hospital. He ran into some guy standing in the lobby. His name was Dr. Brinkley and he had a clinic in Mexico. Took my dad to Mexico. Most of it was a vegetarian diet, colonics, all the stuff we're doing now that we use for cleansing and stuff, and he cured the leukemia. Years later, my dad spent all his time trying to find this Dr. Brinkley. The most you could find online was Dr. Brinkley was the son of a doctor who was doing things with goat glands but you can't find any existence of this. And he had the paperwork so he could prove the story was true. It was like, there's no paperwork from Brinkley, but there was paperwork from uh, the hospital saying he was diagnosed with leukemia and he was cured. He never had leukemia again. It was
12: amazing. It was not too long after, maybe like, I think maybe almost a year, my sister and I were walking into a Whole Foods and... There was two girls out there that were doing a petition for Prevent Cruelty California. And I wanted to to do more. Like I wanted to, to be a part of the activist community. And I just didn't know how. And then those two girls invited me to the... To the LA Animal Safe Pig Vigil that night ne- the next day. And I ended up going today with my sister and we met a whole bunch of people and just connected.
5: We talked to Anastasia last week and it's like if you attend a vigil for the animals, it cannot not affect you.
12: I go to a lot of vigils for the SAVE movement. We bear witness to animals that are going into slaughter. The biggest vigil here that we have is LA Animal Save and Animal <laughs> Alliance Network, the pig vigil at Farmer John's Slaughterhouse, like a little outside of downtown LA.
2: Yeah. What
12: happens there is we stop the trucks for about two minutes and then we give the pigs water cause they've been in those trucks for up to four days without food or water. And then we just give love to the pigs and bear witness and get footage just to you know show the world their stories and but that that vigil is pretty big there's been up to like i think like 300 people there sometimes
5: i have a friend who's a former butcher and he had to give it up he couldn't mm-hmm. stand what he was doing anymore and he said you just look in the eyes of a chicken and you see that entire world going on
12: like it's just like if you were to see you know somebody in the street like abusing a dog or abusing a pig or a chicken or any animal like but then when we become activists, that's when we use our voice and, and it would be equivalent to going up to that guy and stopping him and, you know, getting other people to come and, and stop that person from abusing the dog or abusing the animal. I came to a point in my life where I saw that, you know, just being vegan was not the only thing that the animals need. Because the animals need to be free and they need to be liberated, and there's no way that um, you know us just changing our consumer habits. I mean, like eventually, yeah, maybe like if everybody becomes vegan, that yeah, like that that would definitely stop the demand. But seeing how effective um, you know DXE is at um, at you know like social justice and like how social they're very. Um, clear on how so- social justice works, and you know, speaking up is is really important. It's always been very important in you know every social justice movement. Um, you know, civil disobedience is really the way to to m- make people take the issue seriously. So yeah, that's that's definitely how I started. Really. Um, or like when I when I when I realized I, I needed to do more than just be vegan, like that's when I started, you know, not just going to vigils, but also going to marches, going to you know, um, speak outs. Last year I or in the it was like last year I went to the animal liberation conference in Berkeley. That was a really amazing experience for me um, because we were able to just really. Like learn how to be effective, like social justice warriors for the animals. Basically, it just gave us the tools to do that.
5: In educating people, of course, humans hate when you show up and say, "No, you don't do that." That's like our—that's our thing as humans. And I'm a teacher, so I right. know um, one of the ways I teach is I trick my students into doing the assignments. I, I learned <laughs> that a long time ago. And if you tell them directly, they don't learn from that. Uh, The the best I could do is get them to figure things out on their own and hope it kicks in much later. So how does advocacy work today besides just getting in everyone's faces and scaring the shit out of them?
12: Yeah, um, there's a few ways that I think are, you know, really effective. I think you're right about pushing things on people is, I wouldn't say, the most effective way to go about things. A big part of my activist journey, um, actually, that I've been a part in and where I've actually really learned to talk to people, effective outreach conversations with people is Anonymous for the Voiceless. They're a grassroots activist organization across the world. What they do is they set up an acute formation, will hold screens that have, you know, footage of slaughterhouses and all of the ways that we exploit animals. And we'll be wearing all black so we're not distracting from the images on the screens. And we stand still and silent with these FIFA Vendetta masks. And what that does is that gives people the opportunity, if they would like to, come up and watch the footage. They don't have to. We don't walk up to people and say, hey, look at this. Or, you know, hey, hey, you need to see this. This is your, you know, we don't, we're not accusatory. It's an art form. It is meant to draw people in. There's cubes all around the world. I usually go to the one in Santa Monica, which um, a friend of mine has organized for a while. And that's where I really learned to just talk to people. Pratic method where Mm -hmm. you basically just ask them questions to get them, you know, thinking about, about things and really We challenge them in a way that where they're saying what they actually believe and like it gets them to come to their own conclusions about things. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been really focusing lately on when I have outreach conversations with people, my goal for that person is to get them to understand and see that animals are not commodities. I was just talking the other day with somebody about how there's a lot of times where we like compare like, um, oh, like you wouldn't do this to a dog. But like, why aren't we saying like, you wouldn't do this to like another human? You know, like, it makes sense. Like, why wouldn't we just say that? Because like, we're not, you know, it's it's a thing. Like, why are, why are we making us ourselves so much more special and so much more important than, you know? other sentient beings that share this world with us that are not causing harm to their their environment. Like we're the only species that's doing that. We're the only species that's tearing our world apart. And, you know, if we didn't exist, like the world would just flourish. (laughs) Really. (laughs) You know, some people have a theory that, you know, speciesism is the first thing that we learn when 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 we're born yeah. i mean literally like if you look at people playing like kids just playing on the playground at school like they don't give a fuck what color your skin is like they they love their friend and they want to play with their friend and they want to like hang out with their friend yeah. they don't care about their friend's religious background or their friend's you know sexual orientation for i don't i don't know like they don't they don't care <laughs> they just don't yeah. care and then and and when we care about animals when we're little we really do we we see animals and cartoons and books and stories and you know our our best friend our teddy bear our little you know i had a little a bunny i had a piglet you know as a, as, a, as a toy like a stuffed animal and we're taught three times a day that those that animals don't matter and that they're not as important to us and that we can't eat them and exploit them. And you know, it's totally fine for us to to do that. And it's just like, could you imagine a world where literally every person taught their child that a fish or a cow or a pig or a chicken somewhere in the world that they're never gonna meet is just as important as you know, and wants to live their life just as much as they do, like, that child, how how could that child go on to be racist or sexist or, you know, any other, like, have any form of hate towards any other being if they were taught that, like, the basis of, you know, of, like, they, if they were taught that we're to respect and love and, um, know that, every sentient being has the right to life and has the right to live their lives the way that they they want to live like there would there just there wouldn't be any sort of like there would be so much less hate in the world if we literally were just told that oh your compassion for animals you loving animals that's completely normal and like if we just nurtured that side of us when we're children be brave. <laughs>
6: <laughs> like a referee.
14: You're listening to a radio flow. For us, the
6: moderate people of the world. I am a radical moderate. I will do radical things with a moderate message.
11: The way you talk is seems to me. California, I don't know you, but it seems to be. You were kinda disco I was kinda rockin' and rollin' When the rain came pouring down our cheeks We heard it like a melody So instead he's soft and soaking the cactus tree watching me get undressed wondering if you're mine yet, mine yet Being out of battle Ten thousand pesos Be here tomorrow. I come running if you say so I take my leave for the likes of a body A nice girl cooking lost in this hotel I be said if we don't have honesty Mexico I hardly know you but I'm coming clean Shake you like a live wire, dunk enough to skid it tight. Spirit fire, burn you to the third degree. We look good from across the scene. Perfect vision, Daddy. Listen, I'm a movie queen. Take me on a jet plane, keep you saying my name, my name. Battle on 10,000 pesos. Be here tomorrow. I'll come running if you say so. I'll take my leave for the likes of a body. And nice I cook cooking lies in this hotel lobby. Bang out a bottle on 10,000 pesos. Be here tomorrow. If you say so, I take my leave for the likes of a body. And I nice go cooking lies in this hotel lobby.
15: This was Charlotte Rose Benjamin with 10,000 pesos. Find Charlotte on Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course at charlotterosebenjamin.com.
1: For according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 90% of the population growth in the United States will take place in suburban areas this decade. Rounding with a trowel will keep the edges from breaking. But the final smoothing is done this way. Roughening now will help stop the glare of light shining off the dry pavement later.
0: I hired you to put this cement block in. And it's in. Thank you. And now I'm going to have my little girl okay, take just don't... her first steps all by herself.
4: Okay, but I put a lot in of effort seat. into this block. I, I, I held it in my offices for nine months. I chiseled it perfectly. It's even. It's perfect. And if you let your little spawn demon touch it, it's ruined. And I'm I'm not. I'm not having another one. This is my one block for the week. So, does it make sense to you now? Do you understand why I'm so protective of my block that you paid me for? It was in me in my brain and i potted i I pushed it out with so such force like such unimaginable force to push this concept of a cement block out of my head and into my hands to sculpt it and create it is not just a, a thing for you to walk on for it is art that came from me and my loins Good day I'm taking the block.
8: No, I paid for that. Uh, you're gonna ruin it! You're gonna uh, break it! You're right! It. I hurt my back! I'll hurt my back. Oh,
0: oh, oh dear, oh ah,
4: don't touch
16: me.
0: Okay. Ah. Sorry.
8: <laughs> Radio Flom.
12: Horrible. Horrible. Adjustable? It bent as soon as we started putting it together. No good. Nope. Cheap material. Cheaply made. Terrible quality. Very unhappy. But you could do some hacks to make it work. Hey, this is Erin from the Commercial, where we review Hyundai enthusiastically and regrettably. Come check us out live January 11th, at Stab Comedy Theater around 7 p.m. See you there.
17: You explained earlier in your testimony that your job within the White House was to coordinate uh, United States and Ukraine policy. Is that right?
3: yeah but it was all related to the silver elves i was involved with the silver elves and colonel was uh, also involved with the silver elves and you know that didn't come across well with the uh conservative staff i mean
17: um you testified in the spring of this year that these officials uh, these ukrainian officials began asking you quote um, advice on how to respond to mr giuliani's advances in quote is that correct
3: well, your question is so abstract and mind-boggling. I heard of Ukraine, yes, but this was my uh, side job. I was really working on, uh, with the Silver Elves on uh, certain uh, fantasy lands, and this was my priority.
17: What do you understand they meant by Mr. Giuliani's advances?
3: Well, uh, Mr. Giuliani was reportedly licking the Ukrainian ambassador's genitals, and he was a bit stunned, a bit baffled, a bit, you know, unaccustomed to this political agenda, but uh, he he got accustomed to it very soon. And then I uh, sort of mediated into, you know, a few orgies and Donald Trump at the side and, you know, a few... uh you you know, well, both the Ukrainian ambassador and Donald Trump found this very pleasing. There was a lot of, uh, I don't know if this uh, soils your ears or something. I don't want to well, it was yellow stuff involved and a lot of yellow stuff, yeah you're listening to radio flaw i
6: like that you fell there that was good (laughs) west of the allegheny's rolling slopes lies the great state of ohio cincinnati queen city on the mighty ohio river and southern and citadel of the state has its, its own exciting start
18: the teeming life of this ohio big town reflecting its steady growth and prosperity if you need that in your life and you're willing to catch a bus from price hill to downtown to catch our show because you because that's the thing that's going to get you through to the next day of your sobriety
19: then yeah we'll switch a set list we'll around
18: fucking set. we'll go on first i don't give a fuck. you know what i'm saying that's that's it's oh, just a little shit to it Brother, my my baby brother, he's doing a life sentence. That it all reverts back. You know what I mean? It all reverts back. Um, so we talk about that a lot. You know what I mean? That's a that's a it's a worthy fucking subject. So we we talk about that a lot. You know what you lose? You know what I mean? What you lose from? You man, I'm telling you. You know what I mean? And and we started off talking about this. You know, just talking about like you were saying about the opioid crisis and shit. But yeah, the epidemic is strong, man. And at least where I'm from and where Nick is from, uh, it's, you know what I mean, it's, it's affected us.
12: Hello, this is Kat with Radio Flam, and today I will be interviewing Adam Lee and Nick Heffron of Sunday Drives and the Bop Choir
18: i'm from the far east side of cincinnati ohio i grew up on like motown soul diana ross and supremes marvin gay al green michael jackson and i love all things pop music and i like taboo subjects
19: i'm a poor irish catholic boy from the west side of cincinnati my roots are in performance uh, i did a uh, theater when i was younger and that was kind of like got my love of the stage and I started playing music when I was about thirteen fourteen years old, and uh you know I played in the grimiest, shittiest bars when I was fifteen and sixteen and uh I always thought it was kind of strange that I don't see that anymore i don't I don't go to a bar and there's you know fifteen year old kids as the entertainment which I was growing up it was it was just a different time I guess, and um yeah. So music has always been um my love and my passion.
8: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Day is closer. What do I stand for to keep my composure? And I feel the ground shaking. I can stand up straight. I'll addicted. The question that I run from represents where I come from. And where I come from is where I run from. Yeah, the question that I run from represents where I come from. Where I come from is where I run from.
12: Now, how did Sunday Drive start?
18: Uh, I made a lot of mistakes uh, as a struggling young artist and young songwriter, and uh, I spent some time in the penitentiary, and uh, a couple times in the penitentiary. And the last time that I was in prison, um, I I kind of just I had made up in my mind that I was I was going to make a valiant effort. You know what I'm saying? At chasing this, if if I could come home from prison alive and um stay off of drugs i was really going to make a valiant effort man and chase it. so sunday drives was a thing that uh me and my baby brother it was it was our band um and it was always meant to be a duo and it was for a short period of time and uh some things happened and my baby brother is doing uh he's doing a life sentence so uh so i don't have what you would call the original founding member you know what i'm saying but and i'm never going to not not side by side with me anyways and since then i've just been on a quest man like i've been traveling and performing solo I, i bring people in from time to time and i've just been on a fucking quest man and i just i found the missing puzzle piece man like that's all you can hope for is is like you just you just hope that you find uh what you think it's not necessarily about Adam or, or Nick or my brother or anything. It's about the entity of what Sunday Drives is, what it stands for, the message. It, it, so you always want that to be the very best that it can be. You know what I'm saying? And um, I swear to you, I've never admitted this before, but I swear to you, I was super fucking close, man, going through the motions. I was super close to just kind of giving up on what I know that this could be at least. I know the potential that this could have. I know... That from Jump, this was supposed to be this. It was supposed to be this duo, this R and B, hip hop, indie pop, fucking Godsend, Godspeed. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, I just, you know what I'm saying. I linked up with this dude, and it all really happened
19: as an accident, too. It all, it all happened. Uh, Adam was on tour with a band out of Nashville called John murthy and the Bens. And they were supposed to play, they were supposed to end their tour run at Wooden Cask Brewery in Newport. And the show got canceled. And then within an eight hours notice, this bar up the street from my house called Legends picked up the show like very last minute. And Adam posted on Facebook that day and he said, hey, the show is actually at Legends. And I was like, oh, that's right up the street from my house. I'll go see Adam play. So I went and I saw him. And he was saying on the microphone that he was going in to do a studio album. And that's, you know, being a multi-instrumentalist, that's kind of my bread and butter of, you know, I can lay in as many parts as anybody really needs. And so I went up to him afterwards and I was like, yeah, man, uh, I hear you're going into the studio. You know, if you want anybody, you know, play some guitars, play some drums. And he goes, yeah, and play some keys. And I was like, yeah. And... (laughs) For some reason, you had known that I played piano. I don't know how you knew, but because I, I don't really post a lot of videos of me playing piano. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can play some pianos too. But, you know, I can play some drums. I can play some, you know, synth lines, harmonies. And he's like, yeah, and some fucking keys. I need some keys on that. And I was like, sure, well, sure, man, we can do some keys. And it was one one rehearsal in, and Adam was just like, nope, this is it. It this was, is the thing.
18: That's that fucking crazy. It, that part, that's really crazy. Like, and I'm going to tell you, this dude's patience, because I'm fucking, dude, I'm kind of a flake. I'm a little bit of a finicky part. Like, you're lucky I'm here on time. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny about, like, you know what's up, man. Like, I could have showed up here two hours late acting like nothing was wrong. He put up with, like, five backouts. And he's like, fuck. He's like, you just played it all. So, you know, he's just like, I don't give a fuck, bro. He's like, you show when you show. He's like, if you want to come, you know what I mean? He's like, you'll be here when you're ready to be here and like. The first time I finally came, like, we were 20 minutes in, man. And I was just like, I literally could not wipe the physical fucking smile off my face. I was just like, oh, my fucking God, man. And it's it wasn't, I know that this cat's talented. Like, I don't, it, that, I wasn't finding that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know he's a fucking, you know what I mean? We've shared the scene together and the circuit together. And I know that he's fucking crazy talented. But that wasn't it. It's just, it was that word, that potential. That word, potential. And it's just like... I can only be in my head, and it's like, I know what it is, you know what I mean? You don't know the thing, but I know the fucking thing, you know what I'm saying? I know what the thing is, the thing is Nick Heffern, you know what I'm saying? And I know, but I didn't know that, but I'm saying, it's like, when you find out, though, and it's like, of all the people that I've played with, and over the years, you know what I mean? Bringing on cats to do shows with, and stuff, I've never jumped in bed with anybody I'm actually people fuck with me because I'm so apprehensive about even playing music with cats. And I jumped in bed with him so fucking quick, and I was just like, "We are Sunday drives. We are Captain Planet. Like, let's fucking let's go take over the world." You know what I'm saying? One thing that's worth noting um, is that uh, I saw a clip of Nick playing keyboard and singing, or piano. I it might have just been a piano. I don't. It doesn't matter what it was, but I saw a clip of. Nick playing piano and singing, um, a long ass time ago too. And I know that he is excellent at everything else as well, but I didn't necessarily know that like, you know, I, I wasn't really thinking like Nick doesn't, Nick's not at home banging on a keyboard every single night of the week. So when that was, when we first shacked up and I was like, you know, Sunday Drives is really, uh, its that's what it's really, mi- you know what I mean? That's the missing element really is piano and, and, and keyboard, you know what I'm saying? I just think it's worth noting that, like, this dude, like, seriously buckled the fuck down and just learned a lot of songs. He was great, but I'm saying he got really fucking good on piano for the sake of this act you know what I'm saying and I just I think that that's dope like he has you know many other acts that he plays with where he's playing drums or he's guitar singing whatever you know what I'm saying and he really like that dedication alone just coming over every week and he fucking knows more of these Sunday drive songs than I do, you know. What I'm saying so, it's like, and you were there at the Lucius Q. You're proof of that. That like
15: two hour set, like knowing everything.
18: It happened. was it. I mean, I was fucking. I don't think the moment set in till we're an hour half, an hour and a half in, and I'm just like, he's stumping me right now. Like he fucking knows. Like, and that's just a testament to his dedication. That's a testament to the homework that he did. Of. You know, really going back and just respecting the process and going back and learning all of that material. And he has the Midas touch in everything that he does. And every time I bring something to the room, he makes it better than what I even heard in my head. So it's like, that's the ticket. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a good feeling.
12: What is your writing process like? What does it take to write a
19: song? Adam, he sits up till about three in the morning. Yeah, you know, he writes from a very personal place and uh he writes everything with uh vocals and guitar at the same time it's i mean kind of the same process of how i go about writing a song but i'm much more musically based so i'll kind of like come up with the chord progression first and then start to incorporate lyrics but adam pretty much does it simultaneously it's mainly just like trusting um then it it boils down to like uh i'll come up with a part Adam can say too much, too little. I'll kind of we'll we'll take a song to a stage before we even have parts, yeah. <laughs> like really c- cemented down. Kind of a thing that
18: we just started doing and now we just <laughs> do it, and you know, I feel like at least on my end, I feel like uh, I write the base of the song and then I bring it to Nick, and Nick writes the other half of the song. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, you know, that's how we've been doing things, and i will come to nick with some vocals and some guitar melodies some vocal melodies some rhythms you know maybe some verses a chorus, whatever what's been happening is that i will come to him with a piece and then he will write the other half of that and then that will inspire me and i'll go back home if it was slick here together then i will go back home and i will write the rest you know what i'm saying and that's kind of how we've been doing it like I will bring a piece here and say, this is what I got for the week. How do you feel about this? And then he'll instantly make it better and just, you know what I mean, spice it up and write his parts. And then I take that now that I know what it can be. And then I go back home and I'm excited about it. And I said, you know what I mean?
1: Ohio's second metropolis, colorful Cincinnati is also noted for her thriving industry.
18: There's an epidemic. Not just in our city, but in a lot of cities. And I think something that that Sunday Drives has always been about and being brave and and bold and maybe even reckless enough to touch on those taboo-ass subjects that people don't want to... Yeah, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to fuck with it. So when we're on stage and we're setting up the next song by telling you some... You know what I mean? Telling you the the subject, what the subject material is about. Not something that you would... uh, here per se in r&b pop music
12: and it's it's so great that you're transparent that you guys are both very transparent with all of your experiences
18: yeah you're
12: not trying to hide you know to put on some kind of show so people will like you more you're so raw and honest
19: it it, it really all does base down to honesty and when it comes down to the whole opioid crisis i think that Joining this group for me has also been very therapeutic in that matter because I've lost, you know, my best friends over the years. You know, I got pictures of my dudes all over the walls, you know, of people that have, you know, fallen to this thing. And there's a part of a song where uh, Adam says, uh, I've carried all my very best friends in their caskets. And then at the end, he would say, "That's a true motherfucking story, y'all." And it was one day we were well, that we were playing it, and I've always resonated very closely to that line because I've been in the same way. I've buried so many of my friends, and like, I mean, just like, I mean, like my best friends. Not even like you know, these were people I knew, and oh, did you hear that? You know, they passed or whatever. Like you know, these were people that i started playing music with i stayed up until you know two three a.m to play like a shitty open mic with you know to absolutely nobody on a school night type thing you know you know out past you know my parents had no idea where i was and you know i was just playing music as a thing so it was one one day we were playing that and i got ballsy enough and i just like chimed in i was like that's a true motherfucking story y'all because it is. And, and, um That's
18: beautiful. He said my part. That's my part. I say that in the song, and the fans know that, and they hear that. Nick one day took that. Nick slid in and said that before I could say it, and I've never said it again since. Like, Nick said it at every single show. He can have that because he does identify with that. And, um, That's
20: something that a lot of people can relate with.
18: Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I've lost... You know, my dad is no longer here. Um, I lost my dad to a drug overdose. Uh, I lost my stepdad last year to a drug overdose. I lost all my best friends—not not my friends, my best friends—not—not not your homie that you knew in high school. Your my people. I shared a, grown men who I shared a bed with. My 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 best friends. My very my best friends. Because of that subject matter, a lot of our listeners are in recovery. A lot of our—it's it, not uncommon to come out. And see a fucking table full of people at a Sunday drive show drinking Red Bull because they're on the wagon. You know what I'm saying? Because they're 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 on their sober kick, you know what I mean? And I love that. We've had
19: we've had people at shows that, you know, couldn't stay for our set because they're in sober living houses and like they have a curfew and they had to be home at certain times. And Adam has even switched set times around so that so X can, amount so of people get, <laughs> get back to
18: their sober living <laughs> Well, come see
19: our show if you need... And yeah, and uh, even people I know that are in recovery, in rehab, have reached out to me since I've joined this group, and they have said, you know, it's like, I really like what you're doing. I really think it's great that you're... We played down at a place called Motor Pub down here in Cincinnati, a foundation called Hello Misery. It's a foundation that raises money for people to get help off of off of heroin adam actually couldn't make it to the to the show so adam couldn't adam couldn't make it and the guy who was running it because he he uh initially just wanted adam solo because based upon the content and the adam's daughter was sick and uh You know, I hadn't really played my original stuff out in a while. And, you know, I told Adam, because he was like... He's like, yeah, man, he wants you to go down and play some songs. And I was like, well, man, I don't even know, like, what songs I would play. He's like, well, no, you're going to play Sunday Drive songs. I was like, I'm going to play Sunday Drive songs without you. And he's like, it's never happened in the history of Sunday (laughs) Drives. I could have easily just been like, nah, man, I don't feel like doing it.
18: And he just, like, (laughs) took a couple deep breaths and...
19: uh... I went for it, yeah. So I went and played Sunday drive songs and I sang lead and played the guitar on them.
18: You can't talk it and not walk it. So when an organization is in town that are helping people who are making the transition, um, getting off of heroin and they're, they're helping people make that transition comfortably. Um, that's a Sunday drive subject. You gotta be there. I couldn't be there. My daughter was sick and he, He went down in his fucking basement. He practiced the fucking songs until it was time to go, and he fucking drove, and he went there. He went, and he fucking played the songs without me, and he got a fucking standing over I mean, people loved it. People were fucking, and they they didn't just love it because he killed it. They loved it because of what it was, because he was there to represent the internet. He broke the internet. People were fucking flooding my DMs with videos and messages like, Nick's killing it, he's representing you well, like, you know, it was, it was fucking special to me, you know what I'm saying, I was just like, it was another one of those moments where I was like, this is right, you know what I'm saying, this is fucking right, you know, because these fans are fucking particular, man,
15: and- anybody in San Diego that wants to give a listen, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people you find on Spotify, right, sure
18: thing,
19: Spotify, iTunes, wherever, uh, Follows wherever you want, yeah, Follows, yeah I guess follow it's Sunday it's drives
18: fun fun. on Instagram, follow, follow, follow the Bob keep up with us um we're we're pretty good about just putting out just little bits of content you know what i'm saying we're pretty good about that yeah man look out for us uh we'll give you the goods we'll give you the medicine and the
12: really cool fucking t-shirt
21: you know what i'm
18: saying we, we we take interviews serious man we bring the interviewer fucking merch swag you know what i'm saying you
8: call it calling out taking shots every time my is down they're No! Mm-hmm. Echoing the hallway, I'm underneath the house hiding in the crawl space. All day, all night, always I'll fight in this comeback kitchen. No walk in the bathroom, there's bombs in the backyard. What are we attached to? Space. Oh. You're not the one I wanted. And now that I'm your boyfriend, your loving is like a poison. Yo, my girlfriend, just not the one I wanted. Yo, my girlfriend, just not the one I wanted. You're determined to turn nothing into something. i
6: Day Drives. Winner Best Alternative Indie Band. Cincinnati Entertainment Awards. Cincinnati City Beat, 2019. Radio Flaw. Sometimes explain, usually not.
8: Goddess of Thoughts, what came first? The sight or the thought? The painting or the thought? In some essence every painting on each of billions of walls on earth has the possibility to give experience or haunting, epiphany or love, sensation or ecstasy. Each caught from secret artist's view. And then you see it. Goddess of poverty, she is so poor the food scraps given to the ducks by humans. The ducks throw it at her when she passes. She is so poor she could never have any attention from another goddess or angeless, but the goddess of sadism, and panthers bite them by their necks and drag them to her. And so she can love them.
5: Radio flaw.
7: So... Are you trained as an illustrator? I'm not No, not? I've been doing art for six years Okay um, I, I did art all growing up Like I would draw like Disney characters Like that was my weekend yeah, That's the best way to start Right Just draw what you
5: see <laughs> Right yeah. I and used the, to do comic strips based Or actually comic pages Based on my favorite children's show right. Which was a thing called Jason A Star Command Which I did sneak it into this podcast Oh nice Last nice. season uh, because I saw the Star Wars comic books. I was like, this deserves a comic book, too. And I did my best to draw them, and they were just crap.
7: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Um, but, yeah, up until I was 16, I did art, like, all the time. Um, and then I just stopped for 16 years. Um, kind of life, I guess. You know, family stuff. Like, um, my parents really pushed me to, like, go into business, you know, ah, find okay. something that was going to, you know make me money um did it work no (laughs) no i was was very unhappy Uh, Um, and then 16 years passed i lost my career with uh uh, borders the bookstore oh okay Um, i used to love borders right yeah i did too (laughs) yeah uh, walden was the
5: bookstore i used to go to in the mall when i was a kid it was like I liked hanging out at bookstores. Right. Uh, yeah. And then the the big jump from that was uh, Tower Books always had the best art
7: books ever, but Borders was pretty damn close. Yeah. And four f- got kind of time back before the founders of the space, yeah, all worked at the same bookstore too. Adam, Caitlin, Brett, myself. We're all. talking about
5: the Red Museum.
7: Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all all from bookstores. Yeah. yeah. We're
5: doing an interview here.
7: Uh, Well, I'm Kyle Mitzel. Uh, I'm an illustrator. And uh, initially, my work... Well, my work has always kind of been this way. It's kind of like a journal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a mirror reflection of where I am in that moment of of time, basically. And that's why it's transitioned so much from, like, just doing people's faces to uh, action, abstract painting um, to illustrating, like, faces blended together. Because for me, it's always been... A very meditative process of the moment you know whether i'm you know happy depressed etc and i can always look at a picture and be like i know i remember exactly how i felt in that moment um, and i think like the abstract uh, or action painting really affected the initial illustrations where it was more a train of thought uh-huh. you know it wasn't so constructed or planned out it was just like let's just see what comes out of me in these moments. <laughs> but yeah, I stopped for all that time, lost my job, and then I was just like super depressed, like what's my purpose? Um, I started doing zen meditation. I read this book called Hardcore Zen yeah. about this guy who created like monster movies and then like got into meditation to like refocus himself. Um, so I just would just like stare at walls for hours and just be silent and try to figure out like what is, what's my purpose in life now? Um, I, I
5: actually think, aside from just meditation, just zoning out like that is so important. Right. Uh, I'll talk to, like, I get students who are totally stressed out and stuff. and I'm stressed out and stuff. But, I mean, the thing is just stop. Just stop. Yeah. You're not built for all the stuff we're taking in. Right. And let your yeah. mind
7: kind of quiet down a bit. Yeah. Yeah.
22: yeah. <laughs>
7: yeah so when i was doing that i realized like well this part of my life i left behind like i loved to draw i loved to create art um and i i just started doing it again and i had lost so much of the skill that i had had before so like the early stuff is just absolute shit it's such garbage uh, but
5: the good artist it was that. uh
7: <laughs> it was necessary to like to to fuel where i am now
5: That's Uh, always the thing with an artist. You get to this point, and I see it in students all the time. It goes with the line, I've never done that before. I hear that all the time in the classroom. It's like, you're here to do things you've never done before. And I just keep harping on that point. So it's like, if you pull out a pen and screw it up, you have a choice right there. You can stop, or you could keep practicing until you become really good. And the ones who stop are never going to be artists. That's right. And that's... That's like the most important part of being an artist. There are very few artists who pick up a pen and do wonderful things.
7: At well, the and it's beginning. getting comfortable with failure too. Yeah, you know, like you're yeah. you're gonna fail way more than you succeed. Um, but every so often, like something good comes out. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's
5: the yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my whole approach is based on screwing a lot of things up <laughs> yeah. until it works, and I found that. You just won't get to that point where it works if you stop. That's right. And you can never see what you could do. Yeah. And that's my whole teaching method, and that's why I'm preaching it here right now. Right. And you've heard it already on the podcast several times.
7: That's right. Go read our new <laughs> manifesto. It's right in there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I've, I've taken the approach to, like, one of my favorite quotes growing up was that life is the art of drawing without an eraser. Mm-hmm. So I don't use pencil. Like, I've I I try to take that approach in art, too, that, like, if you make a mistake or if a line goes somewhere you don't want it to like you have to try to think about how am i going to tie this in or turn it into something beautiful
5: and in a classroom that's one of the first things you teach illustrators which is don't do that little hashy line thing tentative just put the damn line down if it's
7: in the wrong place that's fine yeah yeah Yeah. you'll get used to it that's right yeah (laughs) or tie it in somehow if you can yeah Let's talk about the poetry. About six plus months ago, I reached out to this poet that I followed online, Michael Sweeney, uh-huh. um, and I just really liked his stuff. And was like, "Hey, would you ever want to, you know, work on something together? Or like, you know, I'll draw for your poetry, or vice versa." And he was super into it. And as I started working with him, the work changed again. It became more, gosh, how do I how do I explain it? It came more thoughtful and like you know more figures more symbols things that I was adding into the overall pieces themselves that were reflecting the words that he was writing and that's been great because I feel like I'm finally getting to a place with the art now where I have more control over it instead of the other way around you know like for a long time it felt like it was just like I have to do this like it's just got to come out of me and now I feel like I have some I have a little bit of rain on it you know yeah it's just it's kind of like redirected me again like maybe i should just be doing books or like maybe i'll be able to collaborate with other poets you know and that's that's super exciting because i felt like with my art it was very directionless like i didn't i didn't know what i was going to do with it you know i felt like it was just for me like i don't I i mean i still don't care if people like it or understand it. That's but. the thing, yeah, just kind of run with it. And, right.
5: and I saw that spark when I saw your work. When I met you, I was surprised you knew who we are, because that never happens,
7: but... I've been following for a long time. Yeah. So
5: I, I just sort of like, oh, you're the dude who's doing the work. Okay, that I've been seeing everywhere. It's like, this stuff is really fun and very playful. Thank you. And uh, that's... Uh, I was talking to Craig at the Toy Room Gallery about some of the artists that came through his shop, because he was one of the first people to promote Food ferry uh-huh. and then our big artist who I haven't been able to have on the podcast who I haven't talked to in 10 years is Skinner who's now down in San Francisco he pulled out a guitar one day and came up to me and told me to start singing <laughs> and what he doesn't know is I sing in the classroom now oh wow if, okay. if a song occurs yeah. to me I'm just gonna start fucking singing it yeah just do that shit so, another illustrator that I keep introducing in my history class is J.C. Leyendecker who was the other Norman Rockwell. He was the other guy who painted covers for Saturday Evening Post. Oh, okay. And he's sort of this little secret among illustrators, which is why I like kind of pulling him up in class. The largest collection of his work, because most of it was sold at a garage sale after he died, is at the Hagen Museum in Stockton. Oh, wow. And they don't show a lot of it. They just show part of it. But he's someone you have to find because... he had such a big influence on the comic book industry. Uh-huh. He was a big influence on Rick Griffin. He was oh, wow. all these people count him as, but the guy who was most influenced by him was Drew Struzan. Okay. Who does Star Wars posters, Indiana Jones and stuff. <laughs> right. Any artist who's drawing in the dark, I don't trust because That's they <laughs> have something they found. It's yeah. like you're doing anime, you know, you make one little jump from anime into uh, an illustration style that's all your own and you're a genius because that's what Frank Miller did. No one knew right. that he was stealing from anime <laughs> right. back right. in the back in the eighties. Yeah. So that's my little speech I Well heard.
7: yeah, and there's always people you like pull from, you know. I mean you have that I mean that's how you practice. Yeah. I mean until you get good, you're you're usually like feeding off of something else or you know, inspired by something else. Um you know, until your mind just starts to be able to see differently. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: the holidays upon us now is the time to give the gift of Flom. with merch available over in our Flom house store at flam.us slash house with the german house spelling from greeting cards to teas to coin purses to leggings to prints to baby blankets perfect for your own baby yoda thing that you've made out of mashed potatoes and leafy greens are you guys serious And the jumbo mugs are awesome, they hold a lot of coffee, what Mahalo calls wake-up juice. And we have the Flom version of his infamous font-me typography mug, plus scenes from the Flom game and of course, Radio Flom. We have Radio Flom stuff? Nobody said anything. Radio Flom shirts, mugs, bumper stickers, pins, so form follows Flom. And get on over to Flom House, where every product is made to order, make it unique, and all that. Flom.us/FlomHouse, German spelling, because Flom Merch makes gifting even giftier. Wait, did Milk rate that part?
4: Flom the Flom made to order merchandise store. flomus Flumhouse. singing in shower note included. You will have to do that on your own.
0: The island is at We Are The Island on Instagram. Here is Scandinavian Starlines.
1: Listening to Radio Flom, In your favorite easy
6: chair? Or Music you can taste and color you can hear.
4: Ura, Bird back correct is back. Here is the look of love. The new release from Say Lulu.
2: The chairman also announces at every hearing that he will not tolerate, and I agree with him, uh, any witness intimidation, any threats, or any um, issues of, of trying to bully a, uh, a witness. Have uh, you, your family, or your businesses received any threats or reprisals or attempts to harm you in any way?
3: Um, yes, yes. I can understand. You cannot tolerate it. I, I dread to stay, and I don't want to make an issue of this because it, it does scare me. Um, we had a lot of spices, they were tied to the trees and to the doorknob and, and my companies and my family and everyone had all these spices and they were probably sent by Wiccans. The Wiccans are really tough nuts, they, they threaten us, we also had a chicken. Now it it's not a dead chicken on the doorstep. I really want to stress. I don't want to cause a panic. We didn't have a dead chicken on the door, on the staircase, on the, in front of the door. That was ordered from the butcher. But we used the spices to spice the chicken. It was very good chicken. But other than that, well, these Wiccans, we have to do something about them. I mean, they can be casting their spells with these spices. I mean, what spices do we get? We get all kinds of spices. No, there was just no way out, and, and we, we, we felt that scared. We sat in, in, the, in a cozy chair looking at Gone with the Wind to soothe us, comfort us. It was uh, really dreadful, but it was tasty chicken. Again, we ordered chicken from the butcher, so that was not the Wiccans. But, uh, well, at least it was spicy chicken.
6: Tell It to Your Dream Boy by Limber Brain. photo montage, double exposures, and overprinting.
21: Um, I shoot mainly film camera right here. That's actually what I got all of these photos from. It's a Minolta AutoCord, it's a twin lens camera, like waist level, viewfinder, yeah. old thing. Um, it's from 1956, doesn't even have a light meter or anything like that, it's real. It's a real old lady camera. You're getting images um, off of it. Yeah, and I, I did it know until I purchased it that it's kind of broken and it actually gets stuck randomly on random photos so I I can either have one entire roll that has no mess ups or I can have an entire roll where it does this or just a few sprinkled in Um, some I get overlapping frames double exposures but they're all whenever it feels like doing it on its own and the more that I've shot it the more I've kind of just Learned how to make something unique and creative with it moving forward when I feel it gets stuck, so.
5: Sacramento artist, Amanda Gallagher Bellamy. Photographer, bank robbery survivor with PTSD. I have a lot of anxiety,
21: I have nightmares and things. Yes, a lot of that. Lots of it, and I was never that way before, so that's fun. Um, So I don't sleep very well, so I watching documentaries a lot and my family will all be asleep and i'm up like at three in the morning like i don't know what to do like, it's really quiet yeah right yeah. yeah so like i one night um they had just loaded the um vivian meyer documentary on netflix and i decided okay well i'll watch this, this is new i haven't seen it yet and she's a relatively new artist after she passed away that was when her stuff got discovered she was very secretive and all of that and um I she had a life that she dealt with on her own but like I can relate to feeling like you kind of want to hide in the background a little bit and just stay in your comfortable place and her shooting uh, she had a Roleflex twin like this um uh, and she would kind of just stay in the shadows in the back and just kind of document what was going on around her and I was like, I love that cool thing. I love that camera. I love the whole idea. And I literally got on eBay and I purchased my... my. I call it my poor man's roly, Minolta AutoCord. It's a lot cheaper. Um, but I purchased it at like 3 in the morning on eBay. And I just felt... It was the first time I felt really inspired after going through my trauma and trying to access that part of me again. And it just like... Lit me on fire, and I was so happy. And um, so when I yes, yeah, yes. and when you find something that you can connect to like that, it's like a breath of fresh air, and you start to feel like yourself again. Dealing and dealing with PTSD, a lot of the stuff that I have is that I feel like I was robbed of so much, and it was like this is me claiming back myself. And nobody has access to that except for me. And even when I got it and it was broken, and that's why it does all the weird stuff that it does with these photos, I was upset, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got this camera, is broken, and now what am I, they lied, and now I got this camera, what am I gonna do? But the more that I shot it, the more I got used to like figuring out how to create something with that brokenness, and it was like a direct metaphor of where I was emotionally talking to you know being very open like going to therapy I would talk about it with her and it's like I feel like if I was you know I am me as a human being but if I was a machine or a tool of some sort this is me it's broken and anybody else would look at it and be like I'm gonna get it fixed turn it in for parts throw it away because it doesn't work properly yeah so I just learned how I call it my beautifully broken camera and it is just it's my it's it's me and I no one else does this like I do with my camera it's like a perfect collaboration of emotion and I even got a tattoo. I got that about two three months ago and I it was just like it's a reminder to me when I see it like this, when I'm walking around like I hold it like this so it's always like right here and um, it's just a nice reminder that like, I claimed myself back and I'm turning, I mourn the person that I used to be before creatively and emotional, all the other things too, but this, this is me like now, this is current me growing and by, you know, so. You mourn the person that you used to be, but you celebrate the new person yeah. you are now. Yeah. That's the that's nice thing about being being an artist, I think. It's, a, it's like musicians, artists, people that are creative in whatever way they are. We all have stuff that we're working through. Big or small, everything in between. And sometimes being able to have an outlet like this is more healing than anything else. Yeah. So. I don't like, I don't always like open up and like get all like, oh, I'm gonna cry. But um, with strangers, cause I don't wanna bore them with like this big heavy thing beyond like, look at this I pretty photo, think it's but. Boring.
5: I don't boring, as a teacher who talks a lot to my students, you're not alone. Like There's a lot of people going through a lot of similar yeah. stuff. And
21: uh, so I, I get through it by crying a lot and then laughing a lot yeah. after I'm done crying, so want to learn about photography it's I mean it's easy as take picking your phone up yeah. everybody has a camera honestly a lot of people will say oh everyone thinks they have a camera so they're a photographer but honestly use what you have available to you your phone Instagram you can get a camera at a garage sale for cheap you know it's it's kind of, it's something that you don't really know that you may or may not have in you until you just try. Any Painting, writing, sculpture, any type of art. If you don't try or if you don't have someone in your life that's telling you, use whatever you have readily available to you and just experiment. Cool. Yeah. So where do we find you? You can find me on Instagram at AmandaBellamyPhoto. Um, or my website, same, Amanda amandabellamyphoto.com.
8: In a world of Flam.
0: So where's the calendar? It's not at flom House. No, because to confuse things even more, we have it in our other store, because we ship those ourselves. Next year's calendar available today as a limited run, and when they're gone, they're gone. And really, you just won't know what day it is. And you can't blame us, it's not like we haven't said anything like every week here. The new Flom calendars feature Lexi Nicole, photography by Cliff Buttermilk George, and a photo montage by Steve Mahalo with genuine days from 1936, which just happened to line up with 2020 days, like magic. Order yours at flam.us slash flomers or flom.us slash commerce.
4: Limited edition Flom calendar. Limited edition gift. Just for walls that are desperate for something totally modern.
9: Flying down a one-way road, we'd be lying if we said we know where we're going. But there's nowhere else I'd rather be. Oh, your hand is crawling up my knee and you're smiling. Exactly what you do to me I just can't get enough You got me love struck Love struck, baby
0: Love struck. Katie will be playing the Empire Control Room in Austin, Texas, December 20th, 2019.
5: I'm seeing an interpretation of what was going on in Vienna around the turn of the century. I teach art history. Oh, really? So, I teach design history. Oh.
15: So, I'm kind of all over the place that a lot of people think. Right now, I'm working with clay, okay. uh, which I'm in love with. And it started as a hobby. Yeah, um, But I'm kind of, I come from a more of an illustrating uh, background. I went to school for fashion design, uh-huh. and I minored in textiles, okay. and then I migrated <laughs> into illustration and painting, and now I'm in clay. Uh,
5: I'm a graphic designer. Okay. My claim to fame is I'm a font designer professional. Yes. And here I am doing a podcast. Yeah.
15: You can do it all. <laughs> I've been getting a lot of uh, interest and branding agents and people are, who want to put me in a specific box. Yeah. And I'm not very comfortable with that. It's not who I am. I'm, I'm very multidimensional. Um, I'm mixed race. My mom's from Germany. My dad is yeah. black with southern roots. I'm very interested in uh, storytelling. And I'm just... The food yeah. has
5: to be great.
15: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> German soul food, you mean? Uh, German soul food. Oh, yeah. That's uh, kind of a theme. There's gonna be a lot of fat
5: in the food. You're oh yeah,
15: die. <laughs> schnitzel <laughs> You're die. and yeah. collard greens. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I um, and that's another thing. I love to cook. I love. I just like creating, uh-huh. and I I think when I don't obsess over what's Going to happen, or who's going to see it? I enjoy it more. Oh, well, that's better. Uh, yeah. That yeah, it's uh, it's something I'm trying to I'm trying to get out of my own way. Yeah, yeah.
5: but so, so how do we find you? How do we see
9: the world? Uh
15: Mainly, I feel like the best way is on Instagram, uh, Akila Hudson. Is uh, is my handle, and that's where I usually post events, workshops. I've been teaching a lot of workshops, approachable workshops for everyone, uh, because everyone thinks that they're not creative, and they are.
5: Oh yeah, I hear that. I don't know how to draw. Yeah, you're here to learn exactly.
15: (laughs) Because they're technical skills, but we all have uh, creativity within us, and everything we do, including right now talking, is a creative act. Yep so uh, that's something i'm trying to get across to people
5: <laughs> that's my whole mission
15: that's awesome um,
5: uh, i teach a Bauhaus course students just fight back the whole thing but it's the same yeah. thing working with different mediums and stuff like that yeah. oh, and then this is a fun one i don't have a creative bone in my body oh like, brother <laughs> um, it's not a bone
15: <laughs> yeah and it's uh, You're a human. You yeah. make things because yeah, you have to. <laughs> Those are yeah. excuses.
5: In yeah. fact, I found with students, if you use the yeah. word excuse, they get really angry. So they
15: get defensive. They get yeah. defensive
5: and you say that's an excuse. Yeah. yeah.
15: The biggest thing is people getting out of their own way, also being part of the process and enjoying yeah. the process, even if it doesn't result in what you yeah. thought it was going to be. Yeah. You learn something, you experience something from it.
1: When you feel dull, headachey, sluggish, take Carter's Little Liver Pills. Carter's two-way treatment. First, start your liver bile flowing quickly. Second, get comfortable relief from irregularity. When you feel dull, headachey, sluggish, take Carter's Little Liver Pills. All
2: right. So going back to the July 26th uh, call... Stop me if there's anything sinister or nefarious in any of this. A vanilla request about corruption, a call to say I'm on my way to Ukraine, a five minute call you didn't remember is significant, but its primary purpose was to discuss a rapper and him telling you to go tell Congress the truth. Anything sinister or nefarious about any of that?
3: The vanilla was very sinister. Yeah, the vanilla. But the rapper was more it was called sinister, and uh, you don't have to make anything out of it. Rappers sing about all kinds of stuff. You don't have to take it very seriously. I mean, we don't really want to live in this ghetto society. They're just making, you know, a bit of fun, because, you know, it's no fun living there, so you gotta make it fun. And That's why these rappers call themselves sinister. And, uh, and nefarious, too. You know, you have a rapper called nefarious. But, uh... Wow, these policies, you know, they will come out right. We'll get a bit more vanilla in it.
8: Radio Flaw. Sweet, less smart.
0: And now, Zealous, the lovebird's tweet.
14: Got her artwork in the background up in Sacktown representing this beauty. Yeah, life is like a movie with her in it. I'm like Popeye with no spinach necessary. Keep my love up for you, it's a very fun to share it with my people. I got this one-time sunshine. Every single time it's dumb lines, but we have fun with these rhymes. We spinning with this freestyle linguistics off the tip of this. So beautiful, her hair tip to the cuticle. yeah, it's right nice. It's Britney on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. I'm so excited for her be back in Sacramento on this instrumental very many pencils to be rocking hand in hand and i'll be happy now i find myself up in this beautiful movie i let the lights in in the background in Sat Town. i got her heart ready to hear it and one time hear my spirit it's so clear shit She's got me on my game, can I maintain? Can I feel the love, the strive that we stress? Can I press no confessions when I'm blessing this addressing question? Find myself up in that matrix, our playlist is different I yep, And I'll be loving this girl till the end of my existence Yep, that girl make me smiling And I'll be styling just to turn up the corners of the cheeks And I'll be finding myself on a to make a smile for the rest of my life in happiness Her in the same room, that's me in an external bliss And I'll be finding exostatic lovingness Metaphysics spiritually connected when we hit this It's spiritually I'm never gonna be contained It would I be that wind up under her wings when she's flying So straining to that other side in the back, that other ride It don't really matter if so it's so on this shadow When it comes to it one more time I love my baby, yeah She at my love bird I got my one word and uh, yep, it's absurd I'm feeling so good It's like a movie She ain't no groupie on a Tuesday Trying to do me She's a love bird For a long time coming Britney, this one's for you
5: What's coming up says First Friday, December
20: 6th. Yes, so on First Fridays, every First Friday since August this year, we've done Living Room Vibes, which is a part of the Uncharted Public Arts program through Arden Fair. So on December sixth, we have our final show with the Philharmonic um, being featured, and in addition, we have all five of our acts coming out, and that's Timothy Brown, Harlequin Rose, a tri quartet, and Ode to Saturday. We'll all be doing a big final jam at the end of that show, so it'll be really, really exciting. Okay. okay.
5: So where is this? How do we find it?
20: Yeah. So. Everyone kind of has trouble finding it, if you are not familiar with the mall, but it's upstairs. It's on the second floor, it's next to Crocs, and we have our uncharted banners up front. And we'll have a bunch of people just corralling you in Arden A t-shirts <laughs> to try and like get everyone in the,
5: in the store. So where's the best way to park here? I like
20: the best way to park, honestly, is behind the mall. Yeah, don't no? don't park in front of the mall, but yeah, go through the Johnny Rockets entrance and then you'll find us pretty easily. Okay. There
5: is a ballet at least, right?
20: Yes, there is a ballet, so makes it easy.
5: Okay. And where do we find uh, Arden Uncharted?
20: Yeah, so go to ArdenUncharted.com and that's where you'll find all of the past activations we've done in 2018 and 2019 and in addition to everything that comes after. And information on the artists that have, that have participated with us. Instagram? Instagram is at Arden fair. Everything Uncharted related will be on their account.
21: in the theater since his junior year of high school. Like so many others in the arts, he
12: tried to take a more, quote, serious approach in college and began to pursue a STEM major for a short period of time before accepting that the stage would never stop calling his name.
22: I, I think I knew I loved acting way back in first grade. Uh, we threw up a little show about the three Billy Goat grubs, and I played the troll under the bridge, right? And I, I came out and all this fury and really mad at the goats wanting to eat them and uh, our class enjoyed it so we took it to the other first grade classroom and they enjoyed it as well and I really like the spotlight. Fast forward to junior year in high school, I got involved with Daniel Soto's spring play over at Mira Loma and it, oh, man. it was really inspiring the theater bug bit me then and uh, I stayed with it after that but when I got to college I wanted to do a more convenient STEM major approach, you know try to get my life straight and do something more conventional, but uh, the theater bugs struck again and I don't know, it never left me. And here I am, I'm finally changing my major over to theater arts and man, I feel like it chose me. I feel like it chose me, because I feel like it's been choosing me and calling my name, and I finally decided to pick up the phone, you know? I think the thing that keeps us from being creative is self-judgment. But I, I do think everyone that has that potential. I mean, earlier in the rehearsal process for this show I'm in, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, um, I wasn't doing much, because I was trying to play it safe. I was trying to play it as straight as possible. But one night, I got so many notes from my director saying that uh, these movements, these movements are too weak. My voice is too weak, mainly because I was in this circle where everything I was doing was correct, but not entertaining. I want the audience to feel something, and I don't want them sitting there like a like a brainless fool who watches TV. Um, I want them. I want them to think about what the show was about. You know what the show is saying, and, and maybe go home and discuss the show with their family or whoever's at home. Well, I have a circle who strongly supports. So I think having that kind of backing makes me want to pursue this even more Uh, knowing that this isn't something that is scoffed at I just kind of I really like this this process of doing a show after a show after a show and and being recognized for that and having having a group of friends and family behind me that that come to shows and tell me I did great means a lot I think and I think that's enough
23: Chairman asked you about the security assistance dollars. You said there needed to be a public announcement from Zelensky. So I'm asking you a simple question. When did that happen?
3: Zelensky, Zelensky, yeah, the public announcement. Well there was really a, going to be a public announcement that the oceans were almost, you know, extinct, that they were almost dead. But uh, then we thought, well, how do we fit this into American policy and world international policy? Nobody's talking about it. So we basically said, no, we'll just drop that issue. And I don't know, what public announcement do you want me to make? I mean, whatever, you know.
23: Thirteen conversations, the reason you're here today. And when we deposed you, you said this was extremely distinctive experience, one of the most remarkable events of my life. Yet their star witness, their first witness, Ambassador Taylor, Nowhere is there, is there a Holmes tells Taylor what the President of the United States told Sondland.
3: This was a profound experience.
23: Yeah, I'll get to you. I'll, I'll give you a chance here in a second. But 13 conversations, 13 conversations. August 21st, Breckbull talks to Taylor. August 22nd, Morrison talks to Taylor. August 29th, Yarmack talks to Taylor. September 1st, Morrison tells Taylor what Sondland told Morrison about what Yarmack told Sondland. Why?
3: Well, I had to change the lights and then there was this socket and I couldn't get into the, the little, you know, plug, and... but Basically, Donald Trump stood there and he didn't want to get on the chair and I didn't dare to get on the chair either, but I had to, the lamp was broken, but it, it turned out to be one of the most profound experiences in my life. And, and to see the light when it, when it was fixed, that was gratifying you know
2: and you understand also that um others disagree i
3: i choke up when i i try to tell you this but it was real enlightenment i mean you have to do something and then you you do it and then you're scared a bit at first but it all comes comes out great and it's very fulfilling
2: all right
7: new release from wake the fuck up all right
5: You took the old townhouse and turned it into monsters (laughs) and dead people. Uh, So, what? Where did all this come from? So I always
13: like you know painting something a okay. little bit like a dark side of humanity uh-huh. you know um, I haven't like really changed like I'm not because I come to uh, I'm from China right uh-huh. so in California I realized there's a lot like a colorful art or cheerful stuff and I never thought about i gonna change my thing you know I feel like we need that you know like we need like positive side We also need like a dark side they don't like each balance so are that's my thoughts, you know
5: should I ask you the obvious question It comes out? Are you solid avoiding plug. color, solid or did you part figure part it out and deliberately not using it? i kind of like, uh, I'm very... Um, so I always
13: ask that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question, actually. So I'm very principled for my work, and um, um, my old work used to be use a lot colors, of colors, uh, So now I only limit myself, use black and white gray, like for okay. this period of my work, because well, I think these three yes, colors are very, like, uh, Congratulations. potential, Congratulations. like very Thank graceful you. and, you know, <laughs> full of philosophy. Thank I just want to see the possibilities. Uh, these three colors. You know, this might be going on for a while, (laughs) I don't know how long, but I want to use these three colors even from he's last year. He's part my work, I
5: guess. And you opened a space this year. Can right. you tell us about it? Because it had Lightwave. wave. Right. Lightwave guy, I used to promote him when he first started. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, he was a DJ at Alex. Uh, the garage. Yeah, yeah Alex. Alex. Yeah, Alex Trujillo. Yeah, he's
13: awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I opened, uh, my, my studio is on Six and Q Street. Good
5: cool. what's your Instagram account again? Because you always have something cool going on. Oh, thank
13: cool. you. Uh, so my Instagram account is my name, Linfefe. And art. Correct. So it's pretty okay. easy to search okay. and then um, yeah, right. can, At the same time, Linfefe, uh the art. Find
5: your way to the dirt tongue blog and you'll see I'll be posting links to just about everyone we're talking
8: to
13: this season. Alright, my name is Diana,
12: also known as Mothbear. I started sculpting um, Back when I was about 15, so almost 14 years ago, um, it started off in, in an art class project that kind of went all over the place and
3: I managed to turn a rat's nest into a sculpture somehow and it just stuck with me.
4: You can find my art at uh, MothBear on Instagram and I am available for commissions right now.
9: The big bomb
5: that went off in Sacramento was Art Hotel what happened to m5 mm. they've kind of vanished i can't even find their website
10: yeah. um there's a number of people who could answer that question oh, by <laughs> give me I a guess i don't think that uh m5 isn't a thing anymore i don't believe that it's over so vanished. Well, yeah, it's literally gone. I yeah. picked up all of my stuff and put it in a box carefully, okay. and had wrote down reassembly instructions. <laughs> and it's at my house. Um, my work is so. I think everybody's kind of spread out. There's a lot of people working back there at 1810 and Red Museum, like my home, to so like do weird stuff. The time.
5: It's cool because Sacramento never used to be like this.
10: Huh. Well, yeah. I don't think it had any choice. Yeah. Cut yeah. your flag. <laughs> so basically, I'm making this cathartically. Trump, just... Trump said something like, My rhetoric brings people together. And yeah. I thought I would like to make a unifying piece that reorganizes that energy towards getting someone else in 2020. So yeah. I wanted to make that in three panels where can we find you? I just settled into a new studio, Sunrider Studios, yeah. um, right around the corner from Round Corner here in Sac. And uh, yeah, I just moved in and I'm getting comfortable and getting a lot of work done right now. Okay, who are you? Danae <laughs> Davis. Okay, Can we find you on Instagram? That's right, Deconstructed Frames. Deconstructed Frames.
23: You said to the President of the United States, What do you want from Ukraine? The president.
3: Prostitutes and yellow stuff. We thought of uh, organizing uh, industries to have big containers of yellow stuff. And then, uh, you know, we might get that into an own economy between the United States and the Ukraine. And, uh, you know, you could also, I mean... The president would like to have Trump on these big containers of yellow stuff. And uh, that may be in 80 years when he retires, but he's planning on that. And uh, Ukraine, maybe we could write it in Ukrainian language letters, like Trump, like but uh, Ukrainian. And then the Americans won't find out that it's actually Trump, and then they won't find out that he's actually behind this business. And then the yellow stuff can be transported, and then Trump feels better. And then you know he got his industry, and Trump is on it. And then that would sort of be the best practice, the best uh, end result here. Yes
1: you were concerned because the action was known to you to be illegal, because you thought it improper or unethical, that you thought the prospects for success were very meager, what on earth would it have taken to decide
3: against that plan? And again, it's all part. This yellow stuff ships political web of, I mean, if you got a good business, this is capitalism. If you got a good business, stick with it and go for it, and then people got jobs. I mean, so it's all about the yellow stuff. Uh, Politics is just a means to get the yellow stuff industry together and, and to make it work. And then people got jobs. I mean, they can work in the factories to distill the yellow stuff. Excuse me? Yes, no problem. You can go to the bathroom now. I mean, there will be a new world soon. Again, you know, when these industries come together, then you know, all, all your bathroom disposals will be administered to Donald Trump's personal leisure and pleasure. Kenneth,
0: kind of what is the frequency? What's your band? Don't eat the flum. <laughs> this is Radio Flum.
16: Hooks so deep they
0: pull apart.
16: Souls they keep How still they depart Long-term guests The new souls root Deep in chests To bear their new fruit Blooms you found back then were pared down to start again, but when there are at flowers can't yield anymore in my golden hour, scenes leave every pore while the skinny ring gets scuffed gets placed in queue so the skinny ring gets tough till it splits in two When the skin has had enough, light peeks through, sheds away the dead for now. Hooks so deep, they pull apart, souls they keep, housed till they depart. My ribcage cage closed every germination. Cultivates to the base with each incarnation. The growth is more embraced while the skipper ring gets scuffed. It's placed in cue so the skipper ring gets tough. Till it splits in two when the skin is had enough. The dead for now hooks so deep they pull apart souls they keep how still they depart long term guess the new soul's room deep in chest to bear their defer.
6: This was Caicos long-term guests off the dreamed machine album available for purchase at iamcakus.com
0: so i've been doing this radio flam thing for almost a year already jesus so get this i've been voice acting on the side freelance in most cases, I'm asked to read between 20 to 300 words. I've read romantic poems devoted to long lost loves. I've read only three or four lines of dialogue for a one-off character. I've played the part of a woman in a third world country describing an intimate experience with a man for an audiobook. And from what I've learned, incredibly, anyone with an enjoyable voice and a good recording setup has something to offer. People are very much willing to pay you if you're willing to read their scripts. It's acting from the comfort of your own home. The most fascinating part is that many buyers have requested my work because of my looks. People assume your face matches your voice. (laughs) So in order to really sell to them on your appeal as an actor or actress, present yourself as an interesting person, a gem. Whether you actually match your looks hardly matters. People will pay for your voice if you appear to match the sort of character they're attempting to create in looks. It's this strange psychological effect. I think my voice acting is proof that you can start making money now if you put in the effort and have a good ability to socialize and make deals with others. Anyone with a working voice box and time and effort could do it. It's a beautiful skill to have and makes me treasure the gift of having a voice even more. Radio Flam, as the start of my voice acting experience, continues to be fun, and Radio Flam loves to showcase new talent always. Though they don't pay, because money is always somehow just outside of their grasp. Like they don't even have food or eat much. Mahalo calls it a diet. But hit them up and send them something to play, or they'll give you something to say. Sometimes that something won't suck
1: either. all still here?
6: Huh? You know, barring some uh, dramatic interruption, uh, we'll be through
1: uh, Thursday or not later than Friday, uh, as we said. And we'll get through it after having given
6: both sides, all sides, I think a fair opportunity to make their case, including the depositions and the video tapes of the witnesses. So I, I thought it was a, uh, a critical day
1: and, and guarantees now that we're moving to the final phase of the, the impeachment trial. This committee never had any illusion that we would be able to prove definitely whether or not you are a communist because in dealing with people charged with being communists over a period of years we have found that those who are guilty refuse to admit it and dodge the question or deliberately lie.
3: Bending the meager results into a success is a challenge. We pride ourselves in our ability to get very meager results and then sort of make a puzzle in our offices well you know meager results i mean all all things start small
10: as millions of americans are watching throughout the hysteria and frenzied media coverage two key facts have not changed that are critical to these impeachment proceedings who in our government has the decision-making authority when it comes to foreign policy and national security matters
3: Silver elves have to do the side project with the trees. I mean, they have to band-aid the trees. And the army might help, so... But politics is just a means to an end.
15: Milk Surface here. You know what else is here? The Turtung blog. That's D-E-R-T-U-N-G. Yes, Dirtongue. It's a blog with almost daily posts by hundreds, thousands, maybe even more, but just tons of writers all doing flom and not flom-related things. You can find this blog at flom.us/dirtongue. Check it out. Read. It might only take a minute of your day. It might impact you so heavily it will take the rest of your life to digest. Whatever you do, just learn something.
22: Seen as how you've waived your right to counsel, do you have anything to say?
3: I propose in the future Senate we have the right wing with a Hitler mustache and the left wing with a Stalin mustache. Sarah, they'll just kill us, I do There you go. And you're all happy. And you can all babble and then you can all be, uh, you know, uh, distinguished a little bit more, you know. You'll look better. Cause right now you have a lack of decorum. Excuse me?
17: Um...
22: Can't get your name!
17: My name is David Gomez. Yeah, and where are we right now? Yeah, uh, we are in Santa Monica. We, uh, we are playing in the pit. Yeah. So, how long have you been at this? Well, no, I I I play here for the four four months ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, has it been good experience so far? Yes, yes, yes. It's a yeah. very good experience. A lot of people, you know. A lot, the music, sharing music, is very, very good. So just for four months, where else have you been going around and playing and stuff? Yes, I play with, with other bands here in the area, in Los Angeles area, and now here in, in The Pino. What's been your favorite place to play so far? Mm, my favorite place, here in The Pino. Just in the world, whole world. All right. I'm from Cuba, so there are a very nice Cuban places in Los Angeles. There are uh, something, uh, a place called uh, Del Floridita. Every Monday I play there, so it's very, very, very nice, very good. Yeah. Uh, so what, what brought you out to here? Uh, what, what's getting you traveling around and stuff? Yes, um so I I have you know for improved my, my music, my music career so I'm here for one year one year ago and you know it's it's this is a very very nice place for musicians, for artists. Yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, so, do you play uh, covers or original songs? What, what are you mostly doing? Just mm-hmm.
2: everything? Or? Yeah,
17: everything. Covers. Yeah, I have my original songs. Now I'm working in my first album. Oh, really? It's, yes. It's called a uh, Havana Bass. I'm from Havana, Cuba. Okay. So Havana Bass. For uh, I play the bass. So, uh, yeah, there are some uh, covers and original songs there, so... Cool. Well, you know, this is a global podcast, so mm, we're just drawing cool. in fans all around the world. Thank you. Uh, where can they find you? Okay. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, like The Cuban Base, everything together, The Cuban Base, or in Facebook uh, w- uh, with my name, David Gomez Herrera.
9: Okay, cool. So...
6: Video Flom is sponsored in part by Carter and his liver pills that are little fixfile.com, Diego Valley at diegoval.com and lthmmusic.com, Seventh Swami at seventhswami.com, and the sponsor we could not do without Squadcast.fm. Remote interviews for professional podcasters. Record people while you can. Just note we live in a world where the golden girls are all dead. So is Gilligan, the skipper and even the professor. And you think you're removing hair now, but really, there won't be hair later. Your eyes will go bad and your ears, well, they'll get larger. So you'll look like Dumbo. Not the cute version, the one in the Michael Keaton movie. That's the world we live in. Michael Keaton in Dumbo. He's
5: gotten really dark. Well, prison will do that to you.
15: From Sacramento,
17: you know what they say. Dead men fuck no sharks.
0: Oh my goodness, we're at the end here. And yeah. look, Cliff Allen is climbing up that giant rock. no camera, so they're just going to have to trust us that what is happening is really happening. Oh my goodness, they have guns now. And there's 50 of them, and Godzilla! Godzilla looks really awesome, guys! And Kermit the Frog!
1: We can't let him get up there!
9: Cliff,
0: cut that rope! Oh my goodness! Cliff is hanging off of that rope! On the side of the cliff! A cliffhanger, really?
6: Will Radio Flom ever have a steady closing credits announcer?
1: He's nearly up there!
6: Will Milk stop getting his liver pills stuck in his straw? Will our government learn that word, fig, isn't a decent replacement for actual profanity? Will somebody ever explain what that whole Paul Clay thing? Will the British voice ever tell us his name? Did our listeners do the homework we assigned in our forward episode? Will we actually remember to collect it? Oh, shoot. We can't let him get up there.
1: Ed, cut that rope. This is so fucked up.
6: Find out never. But tune into season four anyway. This coming March or something. Because you know you want to.
9: He's nearly up there.
6: Midnight Street Magic. Crazy people, crazy sounds.